Hello and welcome to History with Jackson. Today we will be zooming in on the victor of the events from 1066. We will be looking at William the Conqueror or William I. Like always, we will be looking at who he was, what happened before his reign, his reign, his death, and then assessing if he was a good king or not. So strap in, and I hope you're looking forward to watching this week's episode on William I. William I was born in around 1028 in Normandy. His father was Robert I, Duke of Normandy, and his mother was Haliva. She was believed to be the daughter of a tanner, and she is believed to have worked in the court. William was illegitimate. He was born out of wedlock. His parents never married, but his father made it very clear that William was his heir. In 1035, at the age of around seven or eight, William I became Duke of Normandy after his father died on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. This was a particularly young age to become Duke, but he was supported by his uncles and the King of France to ensure that he remained in his position. So what was William's early life like? His life before he was King of England. Now obviously he was Duke of Normandy and as soon as he was of age he immediately set about consolidating his control over Normandy. To consolidate his control over the duchy, William had rebellions by nobles quashed and he arranged for strategic alliances to strengthen Normandy. One of these alliances was the, with the English, which allowed... Oh, To secure and consolidate his control over the duchy, William had rebellions by his nobles quashed by armies and by nobles who were supporting him, and he arranged for alliances to strengthen the duchy's position. One such alliance was William's own marriage to Matilda of Flanders. This made Flanders one of the biggest allies of Normandy, and fully strengthened his position in the region. Another alliance was with England and with Edward the Confessor, who we touched on in the first video of this series. Within this alliance, William felt that he had been promised the English throne after the death of Edward. In around 1060, William had fully secured the duchy. It was fully consolidated under his power and he was one of the strongest temporal leaders in Europe at this point. He also had a strong relationship with the papacy after he expanded religious life within the duchy. What was William's reign of England like? Now, after William's successful papal-backed invasion of England in 1066, and if you'd like to learn more about that, go and watch last week's video, William had to consolidate his control of the country. Just because he had defeated the English king in battle did not mean that England was his. He faced down rebellions and invasions from all quarters of the country from a variety of different parties. 
the people that headed these revolts and invasions were the former king Harold II's sons, who were coming from Ireland, King Svin II of Sweden, King Malcolm III of Scotland, Northern Saxon nobles, and Harold the Wake. Now, these revolts and invasions occurred in the southwest of England, East Anglia, and the north. And they were quashed in a variety of different ways. Now, in Exeter, Harold II's sons were defeated in battle. King Swin of Sweden was paid off to leave England and never return. In East Anglia, William's forces marched in and eventually Harold the Wake acquiesced to William's rule and accepted him as the King of England. William also marched into Scotland, invading Scotland and forced King Malcolm III to pay homage to him, making him his vassal, which established William as the senior royal figure within the British Isles. But the most drastic quashing of rebellion or revolt was in the north, and this occurred in the harrying of the north. In the harrying of the north, William marched his forces to the north of England. And when they were in the north of England, they were laid waste to everything. Burning houses, burning crops, and killing scores of people. Removing the whole northern way of life and removing any chance of any form of rebellion. And by 1072, England was truly under William's control. Now, William didn't only bring conquest and terror to England. He also brought in a continental style of government and nobility. This removed the need for the Witten and changed inheritance laws so that the king's country or a noble's estate passed directly to his son as opposed to either being elected or shared among the family. This new style also made the nobility more beholden to the monarchy as their titles stemmed from them as opposed to being theirs. The arrival of the Normans not only changed England structurally, but it also changed the English landscape. William established the New Forest, which was to be a royal hunting ground. And this was a massive change to what had previously been, which was an open ground for many people. William also went on a massive castle building project. These castles became symbols of conquest and terror, and they were built in trouble areas of the country. So in places like York, at river crossings, major transportation passages and border regions such as with the Welsh and the Scottish. And they were key figures to Norman authority. However, famously, towards the end of his reign, William commissioned a survey of his realm. This survey was to record the size of land, the value of land and the owners of the land and it was compiled into a document that many of us have already heard of. This document was called the Doomsday Book and whilst we're not entirely sure of what the Doomsday Book was supposed to do, 
we have a general idea of what it did do and that there were three areas of which it looked at. It had a legal purpose, it had a legal purpose to settle land disputes and to name the owner of that land. It had a financial reason for being compiled so that William knew the exact value of his land and the exact value at which that land and that person should be taxed at so that no one was paying an unfair rate of tax. The Normans knew that England, England was a rich and fertile country so that they were going to take what they rightly deserved from it. And thirdly, it also had a military purpose. From the Doomsday Book, William was to know how many men he had at his service for an army and he was to know exactly where his generals were. Now, how did William the Conqueror die? Now, in 1087, ever the Conqueror, ever the force of nature, William caught wind that the French king had made an incursion into Normandy. So William immediately set sail to enact his revenge on the French king. He marched into Mons, the French territory on the border of Normandy, with his troops. And in Mons, they ravaged it, much like the harrying of the north. And they destroyed so much in the town that there is no archaeological evidence left of the pre-1087 settlement because William's forces damaged it and burnt it to that extent. During this event, William's horse was hit by a beam and it launched him off his saddle. Now, at this time, William was in his 50s. He was rather large. He was enjoying his, his kingship. And it's thought that from this impact, he ruptured his spleen. William was then taken to Rouen Cathedral and here he died from his injuries. The once huge force of nature that had conquered England and submitted it to his rule had passed away. But he had passed away leaving two kingdoms, or one kingdom and one duchy. So he passed Normandy to his eldest son, Robert, who would be Robert II of Normandy. And then he passed England to his second son, William, who would be William II of England. And then he passed a large sum of money to his third son, Henry. And thus ended the Conqueror's reign. Now we're going to look at is if William I was a good king or not. Now obviously William was a strong military leader. He led a successful invasion and he was able to consolidate his rule over England very successfully. However, modern scholars have called the harrying of the North a genocidal event. He removed a whole culture, a whole way of living that was described as Anglo-Scandinavian. The harrying of the North also led to a 75% population decrease in the North. This was not a small-scale event. 
It was a huge event that changed the nature of England and can possibly be still felt today. And whilst he changed structures within government and the nature of England, this genocidal event is a huge stain on his reputation. And whilst I've said before in the past we cannot judge the past by the standards of today, you have to say that yes, he was a strong king, but he was possibly a bad person for committing such an event just to submit the country to his rule. Well, thank you very much for watching our video on William I today. I really appreciate you guys watching, continuing to support me. Now, as always, I think you guys are gonna know the books I'm going to recommend to you today. But yet again, it's Gwyn's Kings in England, and Kings and Queens, uh, The Indispensable History of England and Her Monarchs. As I always say, a fantastic book. I don't think you can beat it for a sailing guide on each of the monarchs and key events in English monarchical history. And second, you know, I just, I fall in love with this book the more and more I use it, but it is Simon Sharma's A History of Britain at the Edge of the World, 3000 BC to AD 1603. Uh, Simon Sharma, I think, has a masterful control of English history, and I think you're missing out if you're not reading that that book if you're looking at these periods. As always, these books will be in the description below, along with my social media links, uh, my buy me a coffee link as well if you would like to support me. In the meantime, if you would like to catch up with everything History with Jackson related, please head to www.historywithjackson.co.uk. On there, you can keep up to date with the podcast, all the videos, uh, the blog, which has got some things coming to it soon. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I really appreciate you guys watching this series. I'm really, really getting into it. Uh, I think you'll notice that they're probably getting a bit more in-depth and a bit heavier. Uh, but I hope that you guys are learning something from them. So thank you very much for watching today, guys. And stay tuned for next week, where we will be looking at King William II. And it is looking like it's going to be an exciting episode so stay tuned for next week and i'll see you guys later